turned on. There we go. Am I registering, Salem? Awesome. Come on, technology. There we go. Okay, so. I know Bradshaw done a fine job of reading this morning, but I'm going to go ahead and reread the entireness of the uh, model prayer. So if you have not already turned to Matthew 6, Pray then in this way. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you, if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your heavenly Father will not forgive your transgressions. And that's where we're going to be today. We're going to talk about, last week we talked, we uh, went through the model prayer. We talked about the kingdom of heaven. We talked about uh, hallowing God's name. We talked about uh, the, the, uh, him being in heaven. Talked about God supplying us with our daily needs. And at the time I told you that I would kind of, we, we hit verse 12, but we didn't focus on it because I wanted to focus on forgiveness for today. Wanted to really work through this. Now, if you look at verse 12, it says, And forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. So within debts and debtors, you have uh, uh, this idea that when there is sin, there is a something owed, right? So if I were to just take money from you, I would at the very minimum owe you back that money, correct? At the very minimum. So that when we sin against God, remember David's prayer, against you, O Lord, have I sinned. That's Psalm 51. Now, that, that prayer is talking about David having an affair with another man's wife, getting her pregnant, and then killing the husband after trying to sweep it all under the rug. And when he says, against you, O God, have I sinned. Why is he saying that? Because he has sinned against God. God's the one who made the rules. Bathsheba didn't make the rules. Uriah didn't make the rules. Israel didn't make the rules. God had set place a law. And when we go against that law, we owe a debt. So when we sin, we are debtors. So it's saying, Lord, forgive us of our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. There's twofold there, right? Forgive us of our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Some of you may already have thought process running through your head, and I'll, I'm hoping to catch that here in a little bit, but I want to jump on down to 15 and, uh, I mean 14 and 15, where he says, for if you forgive others of their transgressions, now transgressions is trespassing, going to somewhere you should not have gone. Now I'm a hunter, I grew up with farmers and hunters, property lines matter. When you're a hunter and a farmer, property lines really do matter. And when you find somebody hunting in your land, that makes you mad. That's my stand. I built it. I put it up there. I put the lock up there. How did they get in? And back then, when you were a herdsman, you remember the story of Abraham and Lot and how 
the, the property lines mattered because the sheep had to herd, I mean, uh, 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 graze within certain areas. And when, when, when uh, Lot's sheep came onto Abraham's land and were grazing, it was taking his, Abraham's grass and vice versa, right? There's a, there, I've heard somebody say it, I can't remember who said it. Good fences make good neighbors. Good fences make good neighbors. Lines are good. You hear people say, it's just an arbitrary line. No, it ain't. It's a defined place that says, this is mine and that's yours. God bless me with this. God bless you with that. They don't have to mingle. So lines are good. And when people trespass a line into your place, they just took a step. And then what did they do? They just took an apple off of your tree. Or a fig from, well, we... A lot of people don't have figs. We have figs. We like them. Make some fig jelly. It's delicious. Take figs off of your fig tree. Maybe they go into your garden like my kids did, my neighbors, and took their spaghetti squash and treated them like footballs. Right? My kids trespassed. My boys did. Said, hey, they're balls. <laughs> kids are so funny, man. So anyways... That's what happens when someone trespasses. And, and what the scripture's saying that when you sin against somebody, you have trespassed into their life. First of all, you've trespassed against God, right? There again, God makes rule. Whose kingdom do we live in? We live in God's kingdom. So then whenever you trespass, you're trespassing a line, you're crossing a line that he is not approved of. Here's a clear example. God's given us direct boundaries of how to treat others. Now you say, yeah, you're supposed to treat others with respect and honor, and, and that's true, but what I mean is even deeper. I don't treat, I've got three women in my life who I adore, right? My mama, my sister, my wife. I don't treat any of them the same way, do I? Y'all need to be nodding your head and saying you better not type of a thing, right? You do not treat those three women the same way. You don't treat your sister the same way your wife or mama or mama the way you do your wife there's a reason for that. God's made clear boundaries to treat people I don't treat you the same way I do my siblings why because there's boundaries there there's boundaries there I don't treat uh, my wife the same way I would uh, the lady back no y'all supposed to be nodding your heads heavy on that why? Because God's placed boundaries on how we treat people. And, and, and I, when I come up to you and I sin against you, I've crossed a boundary. I've crossed a boundary. I have, I have trespassed. I've gone too far. Maybe that's some terminology that you might recognize. You've taken it a step too far. And that happens. That happens to us and we tend to do that even as Christians do we not even as Christians we tend to maybe we're joking and we carry it a step too far I don't know about y'all but I'm probably guilty of that as much as anybody maybe maybe you, you're real close with a family and then they're showing you hospitality and then you take that just a step too far Maybe you're real good friends with somebody and you feel like you can say anything to them. Then it turns out you can't, right? You can't, you can't say anything ugly about a man's wife. You think, well, we're tight. If I say something about his wife, he'll agree. No, he won't. He's going to hit you into jail. And he ought to. Talk about a man's wife. There are boundaries. And so when we transgress, it says that if we don't forgive people who transgress against us, the Father will not uh, forgive those who transgress. That if we want him to forgive us of our debts, we must forgive others of what they've done to us. And so 
as we look into the scripture, I want us to start, point one would be, God forgives. God forgives. There we go. God forgives. Now, there's a principle here that, and I'm going to be stealing from John MacArthur quite a bit in this place, right? He, he, he gave me the inspiration for what I'm about to say. Um, I'm not going to quote him in the sense of I'm using his material. It's just I heard his sermon. I went, this makes perfect sense. I understand this better now and, and thought this would be good for the church. God has uh, justified sin, judicial sin. He has judicial Everybody in here is a Christian. We've all experienced judicial forgiveness. Now what that means is that when we went to Christ and gave our lives to him, he, our sins are gone. He, the blood that he spilled on the cross washed away those sins. We will never have to go to heaven and answer for those sins. Okay? It's, it's been washed. It's gone. But there's a second form, and, 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 and I think this is where I was headed earlier. If God says that he will not forgive us unless we forgive others, does that mean that we're unforgiven for someone we've, un, we've not known? And, and, I, and, I, and I struggled with that thought process in my head before, like how do we forgive because you know you've done something against somebody, didn't even realize it, right? Or somebody's done something against you and they not realize it. Or the sense of having to ask forgiveness and repent whenever all your sins are already paid. And it's kind of like, well, how does that work? There's a second uh, forgiveness, the way God forgives, and that's parental forgiveness. All right, that's the theological name, parental forgiveness. Now, what I have said in the past is that we go to God and ask for forgiveness of sins. We already know that they're forgiven, right? A sin, I already know they're forgiven. But I go to God and ask for forgiveness to have proper fellowship with God. But this parental forgiveness is a, is a term and a, and, a, and a thought process, a, a an idea that, that pulls it together that says that when we go to God and we ask for forgiveness with this parental forgiveness, he's giving us the joys of forgiveness. There are a certain amount. When you sin against God and you don't ask for forgiveness, now God forgives, but if you're not having a repentant heart and you're not going to God for there's a blocking between you and God, isn't there? How many of y'all have sinned, knew it was sin, and said, I ain't asking forgiveness for that. They deserve that, right? You're real justified in your thought process. They deserve that. What happens to your walk with Christ in that moment? It immediately starts to taper off. And the more you rebel against God, the more that relationship with God tapers off. But when you go to God and you repent, even though that sin is, is on a very technical and judicial style uh, sense, forgiven, when you go to him and you repent and, you, and, you, and you're telling him that you are sorry that you've sinned against him and you're sorry that you uh, have, have sinned against others, God then removes the, the weight of that from you. He removes the weight of that from you, restoring the walk that you have with Christ, restoring relationship, and he removes that stuff, that, that garbage that is built up in a, in, a, in, a, in a here and now type of way. Let's go back to, to help you understand this, maybe a little bit easier, because I'm seeing some, some puzzled faces. Look at sanctification. We talked about sanctification, sanctification a while back. You are sanctified by God. You are set apart by God as a Christian. But we also talk about the sanctifying process, right? 
that God is doing things in our lives. We have to submit to God in certain areas, and he, he, he cleanses us, and he is separating us here and now. We talk about being righteous, that in the sight of God, we are righteous. We know that only we're still sinning. And that God is, through the sanctifying process, making us more righteous. So think of it in that sense of the, the, the it is done, but here and now, there still has to be that, that, that process, right? And that's the way we're looking at forgiveness here from God, that you are forgiven. When you, you know, you're not being held to, to, God's not going to, when you get into heaven, hold his notebook out and go, all right, on, you know, what is it, July 30th? On July 30th, you did this, and you slighted someone, didn't even realize it, but you did it. It was a sin. You never asked for Go to purgatory for six weeks. That, that's not how this works. That's not how this works. That sin's forgiven. But when you go to God in the moment and say, Lord, I have sinned against you. I have sinned against others. That, that picture as, as you're sinning against others and you're sinning against God, picture just trash building up on that, right? A pile of trash. But when you go and you ask for repentance and you, you, you genuinely repent, you're not just asking for forgiveness. You're genuinely, genuinely uh, repenting of that sin. You're, 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 you're going to God and asking for forgiveness. You're living on the, You're going to someone you sinned against and apologizing and asking forgiveness from them. And you are just, that trash is being wiped away. Here and now, not just in eternity, right? The eternity trash is gone. There's no sign of it. It's like it wasn't even, it's like there weren't even any trash there. But here and now, God is cleaning the trash away. So he says that I will forgive you here and now. I will wipe that trash away. I will get it away from you. There again, it goes back into the sanctifying process, right? It goes back into God working in our lives and cleansing us of our things. An example that was given, and I'm not going to read the scripture, but when, you, um, when Jesus decided to wash the disciples' feet, Peter stands up and says, you're not washing my feet, Lord. You ain't going to do it. And what does Jesus tell him? He says, look, and, and this is paraphrase, obviously. He says, look, if I don't wash your feet, you're not, you're not a part of me. You're not a part. And Peter, in his, in his exuberant zeal for Christ, says, wash my whole body then, Lord. And Jesus says, no, I, don't, I don't need to wash your body. You've already been clean head to toe. I just need to wash your feet. I just need to wash off the trash that you've been walking in today. You're clean as a whole, but I need to wash the, the trash off of your feet, the dirt, the mud, what you've been walking in. Because as we walk through this world, do we not pick up, pick up parts of this world? And Christ says, as Christians, you're already clean. He's already washed you from head to toe. This is maintenance washing, so to speak, right? This is maintenance washing. And so God has forgiven us in an in a, in a ultimate, cosmic, eternal sense. He has washed us clean, and you are white as snow. But, as we walk through this world and we pick up the dirt and the mud and the, the, the feces and, and everything else that we pick up on a daily basis walking through this world, we go to God and we say, Lord, forgive me of those sins. Forgive me of these, these trespasses. Forgive me of my uh, 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 um, debts. Forgive me of my debts. And it's like God washing your feet. 
And so God forgives us both in the on the everyday I need forgiveness because God is in the process of sanctifying me. There again, think of it very much as in the sense of we are sanctified, we are righteous, but we are being sanctified and we are being made righteous. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense to everybody. Now, because God has forgiven us, we have a responsibility. So point one is God forgives us. Point two is Christians forgive. Now we forgive for a multitude of reasons. And I'll start with these. We forgive because the example of Christ forgiving us is something that we look to implement. Right? We want to replicate what God has done. And so we forgive because Christ forgave us. We want to implement that. See the example of what Christ has done. And we want to follow his example. So these are ways that we show forgiveness and that we know and, and, and then you can just go simple obedience to God God says forgive people so in simple obedience you do that but let's dive in a little bit deeper why do we forgive well, we forgive for a multitude of reasons I'll give you some I've already mentioned some uh, but we forgive because Christ forgave us. We forgive because we mimic and follow Jesus. The idea of being a Christian is being a little Christ, right? We follow him. We forgive because it has been shown that people who do not forgive tend to have health problems. Now, I'm not sure what a goiter is, but I heard that stress causes goiters. Now, I have no idea what that means, to be honest with you. That was just an example I thought was funny. But we see stress works in our lives. How many, how many of you have, don't raise your hands, how many of you deal with anxiety? How many of you deal with anger? How many of you deal with depression? How many of you feel like you just have a weight in your gut sometimes and you don't know why? Very good reason could be that you are not forgiving people when they sin against you. You may not be, well, non-forgiveness of other people can cause these type of things. Now, I bring that up not just because I care about your health. Because these are outward signs of living in disobedience to Christ. These are outward signs of living in disobedience to Christ. So that when we disobey God and not forgiving others and not living by the example that He gave us, there are physical manifestations of those behaviors. And gorders are one of them, whatever they are. Now, the other part of that is when we don't follow Jesus, there are spiritual and physical ramifications. There are spiritual and physical ramifications for living in disobedience to God. And you can be a good Christian. You can show up to church every Sunday. You can say, I've been here more than the pastor has. You can say, I'm here every time the door is open, come rain or shine. I, I pay my tithe. Not only do I pay 10%, I pay 11% every week. I do this and I do that. But if you are not forgiving men and women who have sinned against you, you are not living a life that brings glory to God. You now, now, and some of you may scoff at that, but I'll say this. If a man 
lives the way that I was just speaking of, and he was cheating on his wife, would you say that his life brought glory to God? No. You would say he's a horrible man who put on a mask in church. But if we're the type of people, and I don't mean like this Sunday you feel conviction because somebody said something to you and you haven't forgiven them that yet. I'm talking about when you live a lifestyle of not forgiving, you like holding on the grudges. We all know somebody, you may be that person, but we all know somebody who likes holding on the grudges. Some of y'all may know what I'm talking about because I've said this and it's a funny story. I'm not going to mention names. But I was making a hot dog for somebody one time. And I put ketchup on the very end of it. Now this person hates ketchup. So I thought it would be funny to put ketchup just, on, just a dab on the very end of it. And the other person who was with me said, you'd lose a friend for life. Lose a friend for life. Because I put ketchup on the end of a bun. Now that's a silly, exaggerated story. And, and that person didn't mean it. They were just speaking hyperbolically. But there are those who want to hold on to grudges. Somebody sins against them, they don't deserve it. They don't deserve it. I'll tell you a secret. Now you may not know this. And let it leave the church because then people may think we're loving people. You don't deserve forgiveness. You don't deserve forgiveness from God. You don't. Nothing you've ever done said to God that you deserve forgiveness. But God gave it to you freely. God gave it to you because you deserved it, because he loved you. And so when you love your neighbor, genuinely love your neighbor, I don't care what they've done, you forgive them. You forgive them. Now, I've kind of jumped into some other points, but we'll, we'll continue down the line anyway. What happens when we forgive? Well, first of all, we're walking in obedience with God. Now, we've done seen the negative of that, but the positive of walking in obedience with God is that you're living a life that brings God glory, which is what God designed you to do. And when we do what God has designed us to do, we feel good, don't we? There's a certain amount of joy that comes about when we're not living in disobedience. There's a certain amount of joy and pressure that is removed from our lives when we live lives where we're not holding on to anger and shame and, and, and all these different things that come along with forgiving someone. When you forgive, those things are wiped away and you're not having to live with them. Now, it may still hurt, right? People come against you, it hurts. But the forgiveness of that wipes away the trash. Wipes away. And you're not sitting there having to just have that lump. Just sitting there. It shows others who we are. When you forgive others, so say... Perry, Perry stole my golf ball. Y'all remember that story a long time ago? Perry stole my golf ball. And I have several reactions that I could do, right? I could be spiteful. I could hate him. I could do all these things. Or I can walk away from that situation and say, Perry must have needed that golf ball. Let me tee off over here. You're not teeing off, but you know what I mean. And then it's gone. It's gone. I don't have to worry about it no more. I don't have to worry about it no more. I don't have anxiety over it. I don't have stress. And then the guys that I'm golfing with may go, boy, I'd have whooped up on that guy. I'd have done this. I'd have done that. And you're saying, no. No, that don't bring glory to God. Me getting angry, blowing my top, wanting to fight him doesn't help anybody. And at the end of it, 
I owed Perry a, 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 a hospital bill because I whooped up on him, and my hands hurt. I still don't feel no better. I'm still angry that he took the golf ball. But when you forgive, probably more than a hospital bill, probably a bill too. But when you forgive, it's gone. It's gone, and then when other people see that, you're showing them that you belong to Christ. You're showing them how Christians act. Now, just for quick reference, uh, I will do my best not to hit any more golf balls in the Perry's yard, right? And just because I try not to hit golf balls in the Perry's yard, no. Uh, if it doesn't take any you know, oh well. But we're not going to hold to that. Now, Perry's never stole my golf balls, by the way, just for anybody questioning that. That's just a silly story I told a while back. It shows who we belong to. It, it removes the stress of living in rebellion against God. It It makes us a more loving and, and patient of a person. When you're not a grump because you're looking at what everybody's done against you. Who's ever done anything against you, right? Everybody should be able to raise their hand. Somebody has done something against you at some point in your life. And if you're the person who holds on to all that all the time, your relationship with your wife is not great. Your relationship with your parents is not great. Your relationship with whoever is not great. Are you holding on to what they've done to you? You're holding on to what everybody else has done to you. And so it hurts your personal relationships that you have with everybody on a day-to-day -day basis. So then whenever you forgive that, all that's gone. All that's gone. And you can walk with Christ and you can be a person in which people look up to, in which people, in which people will, will say, you know, that guy there, you can't make him mad. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. I was talking to Peterson yesterday, and I made the comment. I said, I'm the type of person that... What I do is, is people will, will do and do and do and do and do and you don't get mad and then all of a sudden when you do get mad, you get real mad. You get real mad. And then you solve some issues. Most of the time not in a godly way. But then I calm down. And it's over. Whatever happened, happened and I move on. Right? And then the, usually that involves me going to somebody and apologizing, to be honest with you. Others are the opposite. They're like, they're like machines that gobble up transgressions. They just, oh yeah, I remember that one. That one ain't going nowhere. Have you ever been in an argument with somebody and they brought up something that happened six, seven years ago? That person's holding on to, to, they haven't forgave you. They're holding on to things. They're holding on to things and they're not forgiving. The question is, how do you forgive? How do you forgive when somebody has really hurt you? I don't mean like somebody pulls out in front of you in traffic and annoys you. That, that's fairly easy to forgive as Christians, right? Some of you are shaking your head, no, all right, so, so keep on the, the, the process of being sanctified and, and work on it. Capture those thoughts. But what when somebody really hurts you? A spouse leaves. A parent betrays you. A child goes off and just does ungodly, hateful things. A friend lies about you. What happens when, when things are deep cuts and deep 
wounds. How forgive? It's kind of what they talk about with elephants and eating them. You forgive them one thing, one step, one day, one moment at a time. That hurt pops back in your mind. And you deliberately take it to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm still hurt by this. I'm still hurt by this. Lord, please forgive them. Lord, help me forgive them. Remember the whole thing about loving your enemy? We take it to the Lord. And we say, Lord, I am hurt by this. I don't know how to act properly to this. My heart is broken. Take this from me. Help me forgive them. And you know what? It, it, you may not feel immediately better. Granted, you may not feel immediately better. But you're taking it to the Lord and you're giving it to Him. What do you think the Lord's doing? I think the Lord's just like, whatever. When your heart's broken in that way, and you're wanting to forgive somebody, but but emotionally you're, you're just, you know, hurt, distraught over the whole thing. God's heart breaks. How many of you had a, a, a child who had a, somebody break up with their, your child, you know, and it just, it breaks their heart. And because it broke their heart, it breaks your heart. So when somebody hurts you, God, God's not just this, this thing up there that just set the world a spinning and then backed off. He's a part of our lives. And there are moments when, when we need to be asking for God to assist us in forgiving of people. And, and what we do is just remember when we talked about the Holy Spirit the other day and how the Holy Spirit groans on our behalf when we don't have the words to say. There are times when we just are heartbroken and we're, we're tore apart and we don't have the words to say. And the Holy Spirit lifts up to the Father what we need to be said. If you ever have the thought, I'm not forgiving them. They've hurt me too much. You're sinning. Take that thought, capture it. I reckon I, I don't, as much as I tell people to capture their thoughts, we probably ought to make a sermon on what that looks like as well, right? Take that thought. Immediately, as soon as it pops in your head, I'm not forgiving them and say, God, I am a sinner. Forgive me of my sinful thoughts and help me forgive this person. And I don't even want to forgive this person, Lord, but I want to bring you honor and glory, Lord. And let God work within you. God may have, listen here, some of y'all, this may be shocking to some of you. God may have allowed that person to cut you deep so that he could use that moment to sanctify you in your life so that when everything is said and done, you have grown in the glory of God. You are loving God more than before that person hurt you. But you have to submit to him. You have to give it to him. The hurt, the pain, everything. Give it to him. If you don't want to forgive it, there again, like I said, if you do not want to forgive it, and let's be honest, most of the time we don't want to forgive people, but we know it's what God would have us do. Therefore, we go to him and say, Lord, I don't want to forgive this person. I want to want to forgive this person. Please help me forgive this person. Lord, forgive me for not wanting to forgive this person. You see what's happening here, right? There's a lot of sin going around. And the only one who can handle it is God. 
the only one who can handle their sin and your sin and everybody else's sin in that scenario is God. So give it to him. Who do we forgive? Who do we forgive? We forgive those who have sinned against us. Now, you don't have to go and forgive people who, you know, I'm Scotch-Irish. I got a lot of Scotch-Irish in me. I don't have to forgive the English for doing what they've done to the, the Scottish and the, the Irish, do I? I mean, that's silly. That's silly. And, and there are certain things that, like my children, we went to the beach yesterday, and my children, for some reason, thought my feet were, were a pedal that needed to be stepped on. And they kept stepping on my feet. And that kind of forgiveness should come automatically, right? I, sh I really shouldn't even have to think about that. Now, they're not intentionally trying to, well, after about the sixth or seventh time, they may have been. But, you know, they, they weren't trying to intentionally hurt me, but, but still, it, it, you know, you step on somebody's foot, you're like, ow, get off my foot. And, and, and so that kind of forgiveness should come pretty much right off the bat. Somebody pulls out in front of you. I use that one. I use that analogy a lot. Let's forgive those people. It should happen fairly quickly. You may have to capture that first thought, right? That first thought may have to be captured. But then, forgiveness. But if somebody really cuts deep, you may have to say, I, I don't want to forgive them. They've really hurt me. I don't want to do this. And so there are different levels of offense. So that there are level, different levels of being able. And I'll tell you something. A true sign of a Christian is someone who can forgive even deep cuts fairly quickly, right? That's a sign of maturity. How? You know, um, I'm trying to think of something realistic. Say you have a certain uh, uh, outside. We, th this won't ever happen with me or anything, but I've heard certain pastors talk about these type of things. You know, they got a big church in town, and next thing you know, the, the local newspapers calling them a quack and crazy, and and trying to take over the town or something, and they're slandering the pastor in the church, and people go, "Well, how do you not just lash out at them?" Because I have Christ in me. I have Christ in me. I don't enjoy it, but I'm not going to sit there and act the fool back. They act the fool. We, we don't, one fool's bad enough. We don't need two fools, do we? And so you forgive them. You forgive them. Phew, I need to hurry up. We got communion today. Oh, uh, let's see here. Let's jump here. The third point, and this is more in verse 13. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You could read it, the evil one. Saying, do not lead, I mean, God, well, Christ. Christ is leading us in a prayer here that says, do not lead me into temptation. What happens when you are tempted in sin? You become a debtor. You become a transgressor. So when we look at verse 13, right after 12, where he's saying, and forgive us of our debts as we have forgiven our debtors, and do not lead us into temptation and deliver us from the evil one. Because when you are tempted and you fail in that, that test and you are tempted and you sin, you've transgressed against God. You've transgressed against God. And a lot of times in your transgression against God, we'll go back to the, David, the story of David and Bathsheba. When, when, G, when David transgressed against God, in the process of doing so, he, he did it in multiple forms, and he wound up transgressing against multiple people. 
So most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time when we sin, it's not just that we sin against God, which is true and the most important part of this whole thing, but we, other people get tied up into what we're doing. That can come across as a lie. That can come across as not forgiving. That can come across as, as uh, losing your temper and, and, and lashing out on somebody who doesn't deserve it. You know, it can come out in a lot of different ways. But when we sin, sin typically doesn't just stay here, does it? It typically leads to those around us. And so when we say, God, please do not tempt us, we're asking that God would not put us in a position to where we may sin against him and others the way that I would say this is if I don't the, uh, here uh, may, maybe this is from the Holy Spirit maybe not <laughs> but but it would be Lord make it so I don't need to borrow money from the bank because if I don't borrow money from the bank I don't know to bank anything does that make sense if I don't borrow money, I'm not a debtor. If I don't borrow money, I'm not a debtor. So therefore, if I ask God to lead me away from sin, lead me away from temptation, help me not sin, when I do that, what I'm saying is that I will not be a debtor, I will not be a transgressor, I will not be someone who goes against God or others. Therefore, I'm not, I don't, I'm not, I'm not a debtor. Now we know we do it, we sin, we're going to, but when we say, Lord, here, here we go, and lead us into, uh, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us. Make it so that I don't have to apologize. Make it to where I'm not sinning against you and others. I'll close it by saying this. Forgiveness may be the, one of the, if not the hardest things you do as a Christian. It, it may be. For most of us, it's pretty easy not to go murdering people, isn't it? In fact, the whole thing is, I'm not Hitler. For most of us, it's pretty easy not, you know, by, by God's grace, we, God prevents most of us from, from being more horrific than we are. Although we're seeing that kind of reverse, it seems like. But forgiveness is something each and every one of us has honestly struggled with in this room. Forgiving someone who has hurt you is, is something that each and every one of us has dealt with. The, the temptation of not doing. To holding on to that anger. Holding on to that waiting to be able to throw it back at somebody's face when the opportunity comes. Most of us have struggled with that. But it is a sure sign of maturity when we are able to forgive those as God has forgiven us. It is a sure sign that we are His children when we can forgive in the same way that He's forgiven us. We want to grow, we want to be sanctified, we follow his footsteps. Obviously, what jumps to my mind, and, and hopefully yours as well, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That should be an example for all of us to follow. They had him on a cross after they had beaten him half to death. 
and yet he says, forgive them for they know not what they do. Can you forgive those in your life who have sinned against you and some intentionally, some unintentionally? Ultimately, it boils down to sin if they know it or not. close in prayer dear Heavenly Father we thank you for loving us the way you have for forgiving us your unlimited grace and mercy to save people like me to save people in this church and to bring us together so that we can have fellowship, but more importantly, so that we can lift up your, your name. So that we can bring you glory, so that we can love you. And Lord, if there is anyone struggling with forgiveness today, I pray that you just, the Holy Spirit just, that they can do that in their life, so that they can give forgiveness and, and dwell in your loving kindness dwell in the joy of Christ and not in rebellion of Christ Lord we thank you for giving us so much we pray that we will leave here on fire for you desiring to see those in this area the, the communities in which we live come to know you Come to love you. We pray that. Let's do this. Our Father who is in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us of our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.